Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Kessel Run Comics Podcast. This is your host, Macadelic, and your co-host, Skelly Boy. And we also have a special guest again this week, Matthew Darkhorse Harl. Introduce. Say what's up, Mac. What's up, Mac? What's up? So, as always, we're just going to jump straight into our top five because, you know, otherwise we're going to sit here and goon for minutes, possibly hours at a time. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so, for our number five, we have Avengers Thor number one. This is a book that connects into the Gamerverse and is a direct prequel comic book one-shot connected to the video game that's coming out very soon. Ah, I'm, you know, I'm ready for that because I love all the superhero video games. And the only reason I returned my Switch was because people were saying that Ultimate Alliance 3 wasn't that good. And that was one of the main reasons I bought one. Okay. But I'm really hoping this game is good. It seems like they're handling it correctly. To be an Avengers video game, and so I haven't been reading the rest of the game reverse, but this one, like, the week was kind of weak with good stuff to come out. I was it was between me reading this or Star number one, and I didn't feel like reading the Star, but I might go back and read it anyway. But I'm glad I read this one, it gave me a little bit of insight to what's going on in the universe, and we get to see some classic Thor versus Hulk action, which everyone loves because it's just a classic confrontation of the Titans. For sure, they mentioned that in the book. Matthew, what do you think about a guest appearance of the God of Mischief in this title? I think it's uh, more of a no-duh kind of thing. Like, of course Loki's going to show up. Like, when is that man's not going to show up? Like, he's always there. He's always trying to mess mess crap up you know just, just cause mischief literally. yeah literally because he he just doesn't know when to stop and i'm wondering when odin's just gonna bend him over and spank him like the little child he is <laughs> he acts like one i mean dude just pulling the whole being transparent like even yeah. if he was manipulating their thoughts and doing the things that he was doing in this book for him to just kind of be around the corner of a building or, yeah. like, looking from extremely high up or something. Just using powers that weren't being completely translucent because... Yeah, he was just invisible messing with them. I was about to say, that in itself, just being kind of invisible, is cowardly. Yeah, well, I mean, that's part of Loki's deal is he's a coward. Right. You know, like, he never, he never takes anything head on. Yeah. So I don't really have a whole lot more to personally to say about this book. I'm ready to get on to some of our other books. What do you got? Do you guys have any extra comments, or are we just going to drop some ratings on this book? I mean, I'd recommend it, if, especially if you're going to get the game. Yeah. Because like with you and the uh, Jedi Fallen Order game, right. you wanted to read all them prequels. Yeah, you know? and I did. That's kind of how I'm starting to feel about this one now that we're getting closer to the game's release. I may pick up the rest of them to read. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Matt? Mm-hmm. Pretty much the same as uh, Jacobo. Jacobo. Uh, uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, I liked it all right, but it's just like, I don't know if I'm going to get the game or not, but yeah, if you're going to get the game, it would be cool to read, you know. Just have be more informed on what's going on. Exactly. It gives that, like Jacob said, about me wanting to read that uh, Dark Temple comic miniseries before the game came out. It was 
even though it was completely unrequired for you to read it, it did give me an extra layer of the onion that yeah. I was slowly peeling back by playing that game and learning the story of those characters and things. So I really enjoyed that. And like Jacob and Matthew have recommended, if you're going to get this game and you're into the whole Gamerverse deal, I suggest not only do you pick up this book, but you pick up the Thor that, or excuse me, Hulk that comes out next week, and I still have one through five of the miniseries that they allowed Spider-Man Velocity to have. Yeah, and I, I was talking to you about this earlier. That one was a big deal. Yeah. Because I explained to you that with Sony having the rights to Spider-Man, allowing him to be in movies and games is a big deal. Right. Because Sony already has their own Spider-Man game out. Yeah. And so you, you know, I took, you know, me and you talked about it some, and that's why Velocity got his whole long run yeah it's because marvel's trying to emphasize you know hey we have rights it's time to flex them yeah i get that yeah and i'd want to i'd want to have a little more fun than just making a one shot had i been presented with a entirely new property yeah you know and once you guys told me that because i was confused since the spider-man velocity series five issue miniseries came out first and then this was the very next game reverse book to come out but this in the very on the very last page advertises the Hulk number yeah. one, and so with this not being an extra dollar, with this still only being three ninety nine, I thought this was going to be part of a series instead of just being a one shot. But with you shedding that extra light on the fact that you know getting Spider Man and being able to use that in their game reverse being such you know a big reveal or just like a debut finally. Yeah. Um, I can see why all the rest of these Avengers characters are probably only going to get one-shots compared to full miniseries. Yeah, and one thing with the Avengers is, even though this is Thor and the next one's going to be Hulk, all of them are going to be in them. For sure, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Avengers. Yeah, especially yeah. in something like this, where it is an Avengers series, but each one's just focusing on one character, you're still going to get pieces of all of them, and it could still carry the same story. It's just Thor might be the... Well, Thor is the important one in this one. And the next one, it could be Hulk side of it. Yeah. You know? Right. Of the same thing happening. True. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, that it may be the same events just from multiple points of view. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be that'd be really cool. I'd actually kind of like that. I think I might like that better than if they were just all unique stories. Yeah. And since I haven't read any of the Spider-Man Velocity 1 through 5 miniseries, and this is the first thing of that game reverse, because I have been standoff, because... I, I like superheroes a lot, but I don't know if I like superheroes enough to play video games based on it. Because, like, you brought up... Well, you brought up earlier the Ultimate Alliance. Yeah. I played the hell out of Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2. Yeah. And I was pumped up, like you said, for 3. But then, when a lot of people were like, mm, it's looking kind of garbage. Like, and it was Twitch exclusive. That yeah. was one of my big issues with it. Like, if I... Like I said, I bought the Switch. I bought it for three reasons. Zelda, Ultimate Alliance, and Smash. And Pokemon. <laughs> well, I never played Pokemon, but I got Zelda, beat Zelda, and we're just gonna brush over that like he never said that. <laughs> oh, God, it hurt. I feel a disturbance in the generation, force. I don't want it. I heard that though. Uh, yeah, I so, heard that I mean, too. Like, I like the older ones. That's just too. my opinion. If it's not first gen, I ain't messing with it. But what I was saying, I got I bought the Switch for three games. Two of them were badly reviewed, so I returned to Switch. I mean, that makes sense if you bought it literally for three games and two-thirds of what you bought the console for is just going to yeah. end up being games you don't get or end now, up being trash. Now, if Ultimate Alliance was to come out on PlayStation 
or on Xbox because I do have both of those. I'd pick it up even if it was badly reviewed because I want that console for more than just that. For sure, yeah. Just for collecting. Yeah. And for having all the consoles. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely understand that. All right, guys, enough about our number five. We're going to move on to... We didn't do ratings. Oh, we didn't do ratings. I forgot about that. I got us on a video game tangent. All right, well, I'll let you start with your rating. Because this is one of your picks. Yeah, it's seven. Seven? It's it's one through five. Oh, one through five. I thought we were going to ten. It's a four. A four? Okay. Yeah. (coughs) What about you, Matt? One through five. Yeah, only using whole and half points. Whole and half points. I put it dead center, being like a... a three? Uh, or a two and a half? Two and a half, technically. Got you. All right. Uh, yeah, I would, I'd do a little bit better than two and a half. I'd do the three, because if Matthew... Like, the reason I interrupted him and said three is because I was going to just concur with three. So... We got a four from Jacob, a two and a half from Matthew, a three from me on our fifth pick. Our number four this week is Marvel's X, number one. This is going to be a five-issue series, I'm pretty sure, but this is the prequel series for Universe X, Earth X, and Paradise X, which, if I'm not mistaken, again, we looked up Earth X, but I didn't look up Paradise or Universe because I assumed that the three came out kind of all right there within each other. And Earth X was a 1999 comic series. So this being a prequel to all of that, I've never read all of that, but I'm sure the whole goal of coming out with this miniseries was to inspire people to go back and now read the forward progressing story that already came out jacob again this is one of your picks what what's your overall thoughts about this book i think the book is great you know like i told you right after i read it it's great i like it because one of the things you pointed out is you think everyone in the x earth x is bad right but in my opinion it's hinted at a lot that you know, the majority of people are bad, but there's always going to be some good. Oh, for sure. It's just the main characters, the main two characters we see right now that aren't bad are both normal humans, except for the trucker. It's kind of like on the, on yeah, the edge I, of him. Yeah. Because they hint that he has like a clairvoyance ability, ability, but, you know, that's all. They just hint at it, and he's just like, yeah, I see stuff. Yeah. You know? But one thing, like, I really like books like this. Like, you were talking about you're not a big fan of them. Yeah. But one of my favorite book series is, I'm not even big on books, is the Braveheart series, which is about humans hunting down supervillains. Cool. And so I'm just, you know, the fact that he's a human and he's still willing to go toe-to-toe with these people. Right. And we do technically see one person that is transformed that isn't bad. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Miss Tree is good. Yeah. She still runs her store. She's just a big old tree. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I am Groot. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Except she's more intelligent. She can speak. It's Groot's yeah. grandma. It's Confirmed. Groot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Groot's grandma. But, like, so, Heard you know, we first. already get hinted at It's mentioned several times, you know, that a hero's from within and stuff like that. So, I think that we could find some heroes in the book that do have superpowers. Yeah. But, you know, his grandma is like, you're just a hero. Mm-hmm. You know? But I'd recommend it. Like Yeah, I definitely recommend it if you're looking for something unique. Yeah, it's different. Right. Matthew, what are your thoughts? Um <clears throat> pretty much the same except for uh 
for the most part, I enjoy stories that are like kind of like giving you a little bit of extra backstory to something that's already been written or something like that. And I mean, for all we know, they might actually try to do something else with that uh, universe X and stuff like that. You're saying just start building in that yeah, universe. Just, just start building in that kind of universe and I think that would be uh, very interesting. Very interesting indeed to see. And uh, I liked how it was like even though it was just a bunch of bad people for the most part, there were the few specks of good. I always appreciate that in comic books. Especially when the bad is so predominant that it makes it look like the hero or the main character, whoever, is not going to be able to do it. It's like it, it, there's doubt there. Yeah, and that makes for good storytelling because, like, almost everything we see, like if it's just average storytelling, it's like okay, I can pretty much give a rough guess of where this is going to go. Let me guess. Good guy wins? Good guy wins. Okay. Yeah, we're good. In the Superman story? Yeah, just basically (laughs) everything. No matter what happens, good guy always wins. That's why I personally like some of the different stories. Not, Not like this one, but other stories that have the bad guys winning at least one. Yeah, winning the battle, not the war. Yeah, winning the battle, not the war. That I personally, I personally like to see that, and flesh out the villain characters a little bit more, so that it ends up being a good, you know, story. That's one thing I did like about it, because you know he is just a human. He he didn't get transformed into a mutant. He's just a human, and right towards the end, it shows you know why he wears the mask. Right, you know, it shows him about to get jumped by super villains. Yeah, you know, and it shows him where he has no defense. You know, even his hammer, like a hammer, is cool and all if you're against another human. But when someone's flying at you that has like butterfly wings, like <laughs> you're just about to get clapped. You know, there's. What are you gonna do to a hammer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, really? I mean, the butterfly wings is a little bit of a... Well, one I of, think I would be laughing. One of them had butterfly or fairy wings. That's yeah. why I, I couldn't remember what the other two looked like. Yeah. But I could remember one of them had, like, butterfly or fairy wings. And I feel like a butterfly was a little bit more intimidating than a fairy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fairies, I mean we've, all seen, we've all the seen fairies. New Mutants. <laughs> we've all seen what fairies I mean, I created is. a story that had fairies being, like, terrifying. So, Jeez. like, you know... <laughs> That sounds like a uh, story being bent. You just absolutely like twisted that bad boy and like yeah. made that like something it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Always love a good villain. I think the craziest thing for me about this book, and I don't know if either one of y'all picked up on this, but this book's written by Alex Ross, or shall I say co-written. And Alex Ross is almost strictly a cover artist. That's how good he is. He just makes his living off doing covers. And this cover is his cover for Marvel's X number one. I'm assuming this whole miniseries, he's going to be doing the covers. But he's also co-writing it. So that to me is kind of crazy because I've never personally ri- or, uh, read anything that Alex Ross has written. I knew I'd seen his thing before, but I couldn't place it. So I was like, hmm. You know, like i seen the name and I was like, I've definitely heard of Alex Ross. But I just didn't look any further into it. Right. Yeah, like I said, Alex Ross is predominantly 
just a cover artist. He does work on multiple different titles and usually doesn't do any interior art, nor does he really do any writing. He's done cover art, or excuse me, interior art before, but I've never heard of him writing anything. So this, to me, was completely new, and when this was one of your picks, even more so than it just being one of your picks, I was kind of... I don't know. It was an awakening almost. When I looked at it, I always looked to see who the content creators are yeah. of a book. And as soon as I saw Alex Ross's name, I was like, uh, I missed that when bagging and boarding this Tuesday. You know? Yeah. I just didn't... It completely slipped my mind. But I thought this book, for what it was, like you said earlier, I'm not usually into stories like this. And this was just a number one of a five-part series. I may end up, by issue three, loving this series. I mean, who knows? But right now... My rating on it would probably be like a three and a half. I'd give it a three and a half. Okay. What about you? You know, I have high hopes for it. I'm going to give it a four and a half. Okay. Because I really do like the story. And now that I'm thinking about it, this is a world where superheroes exist. Right. Because the kid knows about Superman. Not Superman. Iron Man. Iron Man. Thor. And Thor and Captain America. He loves Captain America. It starts off with him playing with Captain America action figures. Well, they're not action figures. The little little cutouts. Yeah, little cutout things. Because he's poor. Yeah. He's a poor boy that just looks up to... He looks up to superheroes. I feel like that's something that a lot of people can relate to. For sure, yeah. You know? And he doesn't have any powers, but they give him hope. You know, even whenever he meets the guy that might have superpowers... Right. You know, he's just like... The heroes. You know, he's like, I want to meet the real heroes. Yeah. Well, he was like, the heroes will protect me now that I have no family. And, like, he has no protecting to do. Yeah. So. And I feel like that's really, you know, neat. Right. So, I was a 3.5. Jacob was a 4.5. Matt, what's your rating? Um, I'm going to have to agree with you with a 3.5. Okay. I enjoyed it. Cool. All right, that wraps up our number four on the list. Number three is Ghost Rider number four by Ed Brisson and Aaron Cooter. This book is something else. I mean, just looking at the front cover, I knew we were going to be getting tangled into one thing or another. No pun intended. Once you see the cover, you'll know what I'm talking about, people. But... Until then, this book just... So, this was kind of harder for me to read only because I'm behind on three. I've read one and two. I didn't read three. So, I need, like, there was a little bit of a joint mixed up. But, good thing there was no characters introduced in three that I didn't already meet in one and two. So, with what happened in this book... It just kind of took me through a whirlwind, and there was multiple characters on multiple different journeys, and I thought it was interesting. I liked Johnny Blaze's storyline a whole lot more than I liked Danny Ketch's storyline in this, even though Danny Ketch experiences something so much more badass and cooler than Blaze did in his little trek. Jacob, what would you think? I think it was decent. Yeah, I haven't read one, two, or three, but I didn't feel lost. That's one thing I will say when I read through it real quick. I didn't feel lost at all. You know, it's not like the kind of book where you would have to read one, two, or three to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're really good at explaining what's going on, even though there's two stories happening. And I feel the opposite of you. 
about the two different stories. Yeah. I didn't really like what was going on with Ghost Rider himself. Yeah. I felt like it was pretty lackluster, just what he did, because it... He, I feel like he had less pages of his story yeah. in the book. Yeah. And I just feel like, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Danny Ketch. I feel like his, like, Danny Ketch, like, he, he went through a journey. Oh, yeah. He went through a big time journey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big boy journey. Like, Especially, he, like, some last page action. Yeah, he went, through, he went through a big, big boy journey. Key, key. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you have to say about it, Matt? Keys on keys on keys. Like, that, that's my opinion of this book. Because, like, even though, like, I'm not going to spoil anything, but, like, you know, even though Key Collector doesn't have this key listed, like, as the listing that we're talking about, that last page action, that, that's gotta be a key. It's, like, yeah. I gotta say, like, definitely, I would pick this up, because I, I love johnny blazes like i can see how they're trying to show that he's a little bit lost his way kind of thing like that's the whole point of it is like he's the king of hell and apparently hell's corrupted him you of know? this whole first arc yeah of this exactly. new Ghost Rider of this whole first arc that's kind of the whole premise and uh i just i love how he just hit you know like does the pennant stare in that one like come on that's my favorite move from ghost rider like oh i gotta have the pennant stare the pennant stare is badass i love it and i loved seeing it on the silver screen a few years ago with the nick cage ghost rider even though that is super controversial i I love that line though even though the movie wasn't great it was still like that one line when he does the pennant stare on that mugger yeah. Like, yeah, that was just like, whoo, come on now. Let's go. Somebody grab somebody. This is going to be a wild ride. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. Feel their pain. It's so crazy because I thought when we got past, uh, when we got past Marvel, Marvel X, like, I was just going to open up and have so much to say on all the rest of these books, but... I don't really have as much to say on Ghost Rider as I thought I would. I enjoyed <coughs> the parts that I said I did, and I wouldn't say any of this book I didn't enjoy. I liked it through and through. Um, it, Like I said, like I just really didn't prefer Ketch's storyline over Blaze's storyline. I, I thought, you know... But, like I said, you know, last page of the book is Catch's storyline, huge reveal, big key. I think it's worth what's... I think this issue being slower is going to be worth five. Because number five is, I'm presuming, is going to be the end of the first arc. And is going to be potentially a clash between Blaze and Catch. Because they already fought in, like, issue two as Ghost Riders. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting to see them do that. But obviously, Catch is just trying to keep, as Matthew said, the potentially corrupted Blaze at bay and keep him a sane Lord of Hell or King of Hell. Jacob, what's your rating of this book? Three. A three. Yeah. Just over the middle grounds. Matthew, what's your grade? I'm going to have to say definitely a 4 if not 4.5 wow 
ringing on the doorbell of a five. We haven't even great. I don't think neither Jacob nor I any of the past weeks have graded a book at right at five or rated one a straight five. But for me, I'm personally gonna go with. I'm gonna go with a three point five. The reason why I'm going with 3.5 is because, as I said, I enjoyed this book, and I think this book being kind of a connector issue and being a little bit slow, hopefully issue 5 just opening up to you know some crazy stuff going on, hopefully a battle between uh, Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch. I'd love to see it. We'd all love to see it. Let's make it happen. So that's it for our number three. Our number two on the list was my number one from my Kessel Run Top 5. This is Star Wars The Rise of Kylo Ren number two. Jacob, I need opinions. I didn't like it, but I don't understand what's going on really. Yeah. I mean, I think the Knights of Ren are cool. Yeah. I laughed whenever you said it because on Instagram you called it the Rose of Kylo Ren. (laughs) And I thought that was funny. Yeah. I, I, sent, I sent you that you had done that. But I think it's neat that it shows the introduction of the Knights. Kind of. Right. I mean, I don't know if they've been in anything before this. Other than the movies. And the movies, yeah. they're super vague. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought it was neat. I mean, the first time I'd heard of the Knights was at your house because you have to pop. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd heard of it. I was like, oh, that's neat. But I didn't really like it, but I didn't know what was going on, really. I just read it because it's part of the top five. Yeah. And Matthew keeps calling me a loser because I'm not super into Star Wars. I've, I've never in my life. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, we all, like, we're just all... Just teasing you, bro. That's why I say. We're all our own people, and, like, we're, we're into what we're into. Like we've said so many times, Jacob, you know, when it's just normally host and co-host, like, you're the yin to my yang and vice versa. You know, the things that I'm really into you're usually either not that into or not into altogether and vice versa like you'll be usually really into something and i'll be so so or just not really into it and so that way we balance each other out like that's perfect well what does that make me does that make me some sinjutsu no that makes you the bendu the one one in the middle (laughs) exactly so mr bendu what did you think of the rise of Kylo Ren. I definitely liked it. Okay, like, anyone who knows me and, like, has talked about Star Wars with me, like, from the first time we saw Kylo Ren in Force Awakens, I I didn't really like the character that much at first. I, I made no bones about that, that I think he's a wannabe Vader and, like, you know, just, like, you know, like, not that great. My opinion did change slightly with Rise of Skywalker, and now with this, uh, you know, the Rise of Kylo Ren, you can kind of see some of his own personal thoughts that you don't really get to see on state on the big screen. You know, right. and I really appreciate that, and that's made me that's made me like the character a whole lot more. Right. You know, like, I, w- I ranked him, like, at Force Awakens. I was like, he's a trash character, just like a whiny little baby. He needs to go get a milk bottle and go to the- sleep, you know, kind of stuff. But, uh... How did it now, change from seven to eight? 
mm-hmm. between seven and eight like how did your opinion change not did it really much. not do anything not much it just kept me the same but then eight to nine started getting a little better okay he's a he's a decent character all right but then with this it really fleshes him out a, a good bit more in just the first two issues that me personally now i like the character you know as He's not my favorite. I mean, that spot will always remain with uh, the OG, the Darth Vader. But Lord yeah. Vader. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I like him now. And this comic is really good. Man, for those of you who know, for those of you who don't know, I've been a Kylo Ren fan since episode 7. Since I saw promotional material about this guy, I thought Kylo was going to be hashtag like that. And I'm right. Like, now, you know, as Matthew said, it took him a while to come around, but now he's not a fan of Kylo Ren, but he's just kind of indifferent. Like, Kylo's there. You know, Kylo's an acceptable character now. I accept him, finally. Yeah, and you know what? If it, I'll, I'm fine with that taking a full journey because the best characters are often the controversial ones in the beginning. What did everyone say about Anakin Skywalker? Like in the beginning, beginning, that he was a whiny brat and nobody liked him. Exactly, and then guess who he becomes later? Obviously, wow. well, if we're just comparing episode one and two to episode three so basically jedi knight anakin or like just jedi anakin episode one and two yeah he's cranky he he whines too much he's complaining about everything he's greedy like there's so many things about his personality were negative traits and while some of those may have bred and multiplied from episode two to three during the prequel trilogy Episode 3, Anakin Skywalker, the Jedi Knight, was more held together. A lot of times, he did hold his emotions in check. At least the ones that before, he was letting kind of slip out, being whiny and saying things and talking back to his master. He wasn't doing nearly as much of that in 3, even though his ultimate fall to the dark side happened in 3 as well. It was almost like instead of letting them slip out slowly but surely every (laughs) single time, he just let them all build up and pin up until he just went full dark side and we ended up getting what we did today and maybe by the end of this four issue miniseries us being halfway through now potentially maybe you know that that might be exactly what happens with this the next you know two books we might find out that he was you know perfectly sane you know loving jedi apprentice to luke skywalker and then by issue four he might have made his full turn it might be the master of the knights of ren as the way he appears in episode seven you know maybe maybe and i mean i like the part of the book where it's you see like in kylo's uh in Ben's mind that it's like, you know, Snoke's there. Yeah. He's there. He's talking to him. Like, saying, like, yeah, Luke's a, a dip, you know, a dripstick. And, like, you know. Yeah. You, he's just a dummy. Like, yeah, you he, need to, you know, do your own thing. He'll, he'll maybe, eventually, he'll realize that you're not a child anymore and that you're capable of doing these awesome things just like him but you know that kind of stuff and i can see where you know snoke was like playing on his like 
emotions, in, immer, emotions, and also his frustration with, like, let's face it, every young man has a point in his life where he's like frustrated because you know nobody recognizes him for his own man. Right. That everybody looks at him as still a kid. You know. Yeah. Like. You, you hear teenagers like 16 years old just being like, like I'm not a kid anymore, Mom. And like, you know, kind of stuff like that. I went through that thing with my mom. I was like, Mom, I ain't a kid no more. Like, shut up. <laughs> Don't ever tell your mother to shut up, ladies and gentlemen. This is where I'm going to cut. This is where I'm going to cut Matthew off. But back to the story itself. In this story, I think one of my favorite things to learn about Kylo Ren is there's a specific word bubble where Luke turns around while they're approaching the planet that they're landing on that has a an old Jedi outpost from the High Council era, or High Republic era, yeah. excuse me. But um, he turns around and looks at young Ben Solo and says... I know, you know, what we're going to discover down here potentially could be weapons. I know you're into that sort of thing. And that was a nice character reveal. Just, you know, one of his likes, one of the things that he's into. Ben Solo likes weaponry. And to me, I don't know if this really registered with you, Matt, but with him being into weaponry and his father was an amazing pilot and his grandfather, Anakin Skywalker, was an amazing pilot and was also a mechanic... And like to build things. I don't know. It just kind of... His blood runs deep, man. You know, obviously it's a story that we're very... He's very apparent the next generation of Skywalker, even though he himself is a solo, just carrying Skywalker blood. But man, does that blood burn. And it burns for not only conflict, but this man is an ace in the cockpit and... He's a warrior with a saber, man. He's he's a trifecta, to say the least. And I, I grow more and more attached to the character of Kylo Ren. Rating time. Jacob. Two. Damn, he just came out the cut with a two, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Matthew, what's your rating? Definitely the same as Ghost Rider. Four, if not a 4.5. I am going to give this a four. And I think, if I recall correctly, my previous three ratings i didn't get that high i got 3.5 on one of them but yeah this rise of kylo ren if it keeps going in the same direction with issue three and issue four to round out this four issue miniseries i'll be happy i love what charles soul has done with this book go chuck all right ladies and gentlemen for what you've all been waiting for we have basically our unanimous number one on our top five and that is Venom, number 22, the second part of the two-part story, Venom Island. Jacob, take it away. See, with this story, I'm not a big fan of Danny Cates' writing. As, you know, I'm not, but I feel like the story's pretty good. I haven't read the Absolute Carnage stuff, because like I said, I'm not a big fan of Danny Cates. Donnie. Yeah, Donnie Cates. Okay. See, I don't even know the man's real name. We were just getting mixed up with Danny Ketch. We were talking oh, about yeah. that character earlier. Yeah. But I'm not a big fan of Kate's. I'm, but this story was great. And I feel like one of the reasons I did like it was because of the art. Yeah. The art's really good. And that kind of emphasized, that kind of helped with the story. Because with Thor, I told Jack, I predicted what was going to happen. 
halfway through the first issue. But with this one, I liked it. It wasn't half as good, you know, yeah. as some of the other books we've I've read. But it is an interesting side of Venom that sure. we get to see, you know, because he is trying to be a father figure, you mm-hmm. know, and stuff like that. So I felt like that was really interesting. And I did like, there were parts I did like, but as a whole, I, I didn't like 21, you okay. know. Yeah. And that's the follow-up to this one. That's part one. This is part two. I was not, I didn't really like part one, just being real. But part two kind of made up for it. You get to see a different side of Venom. You get to see a lot of action in it, and that kind of made up for it. Because, like I said, the art was really good during the action. Yeah. I think that means that, you know, maybe you're not a Donny Cates fan, but known all across the comic book world, specifically in Marvel. I'm pretty sure he's a Marvel-exclusive artist. But Mark Bagley, that's who did all the pencils, so who did the actual art itself, not coloring it in. But all And this cover is also Mark Bagley. So... You may be a new Mark Bagley fan. And, you know, we may end up doing top fives way down the line, you know, six months from now. We may have another, you know, book on here, and you might be like, oh, I just freaking love the art. And I'm just going to be like, bro, it's because it's Bagley. Like, you're just a Bagley boy. <laughs> That's all it is. Matthew, what do you think about this book? I, uh, I agree about the art. It's wonderful art. Excellent. Beautifully done. But, um, I love the story even more. I love the story even more because, uh, well, I've read all the Absolute Carnage tie-ins that were up until 20. Right. So with me reading 21 and 22, it was just like, just right into it. You know, it just fit perfectly. And I just... It, this book honestly makes me want to subscribe to Venom. Like I don't have Venom in my pool, but it makes me want to subscribe to Venom and keep reading. I do like Donny Cates as a writer, I, personally. Um, and it's just an excellent book, excellent story, and I think it really delves into uh, some of those more deeper like darker themes than most uh than most you know marvel comics will well of course it's venom like that's always been a darker book in the marvel universe but i appreciate books like that and i mean like some of those carnage lines in there are just like <laughs> just, just messed up enough for matthew <laughs> matthew uh, got I a just, kick out of them I just, like, I love messed up jokes and stuff like that. I, I, can, I can get behind them because I really like to just say things for shock value right. in order to, you know, like, make people go, like, like pearl clutching and stuff. It makes me laugh. So, you know, <laughs> I am evil. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just love this book. Hey, that's, that's my note on it. It was a great book. I don't think any of us talked about the cover. I think the cover of this book... You know what's crazy is I think the cover of this book is phenomenal. But unlike this book, out of... You know, if I've got to weigh Venom 21, the first part of this Venom Island series, versus this one, I like the first cover a lot better. That's why I didn't say anything about the cover itself. Because 21 did have a better cover. Yeah. You know? But the rest of the art for this book was so much better. 
Yeah, I I definitely agree with that but wholeheartedly. The, the cover does get the point across, you know? Right. Because it's the island on fire. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about that. That you don't un- that you don't truly understand the cover until after you've read it. Yeah, but unless you read the book, it just looks like it's a volcanic island kind. Yeah, because that's, that's not what it is. I was about to say that's what I've been thinking this whole time is <laughs> that's just a volcano. Well, where was the volcano in the series? But then it's you just not. made me think that the whole island's just on fire. So yeah. like, yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> just burn, flaming. baby, burn. <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. and I and now that you made me think about it, I thought about another thing I like about this is it's a contrast. You've got the fire covering the entire island and the smoke rising and the fire even rising devilishly high. But then you've got right here in the foreground, you've got just the waves. And it's almost being kind of split. It's not even really a wave with one rip curl. It's got, you know, two waves and they're both curling over. It almost looks like, oh man, I just saw something else. Okay, so maybe these are supposed to be mandibles. And these right here on, on in the white of the ocean are supposed to be like the legs of like what's on Venom's chest when he's fully venomized. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what they're trying to go for. Yeah, I, I didn't even notice that. But you see, that's just like sitting here staring at it, finding more things to look at. Because what I was going to say is the way it's curled up on both sides, it's almost like somebody's parting it. Like, yeah. you know, Jesus well, part of the Red Sea. You know, I see that, but it, it doesn't have the eight legs. It only has seven. Are you sure? It only has seven. Unless you count this one weird thing up here. Because there's only three. No, those are the mandibles. Like how it comes out like that on both no, sides. No, I'm talking about right there. One, like how it goes like... Two, t- like three, there's only three over here and one, four over here. Two, three, four, four. True. But I mean, I mean that maybe could be that one on oh, the bottom left. Is that right there is it coming out, but that's just out beyond the wave. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, unless you count that one, yeah. there's only three on that side. Yeah. There's yeah. three prominent ones on one side and, and four one. prominent ones on the other. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, they might have been, like, slightly going for it. Right. But not making it truly that. Well, I mean, it could be because, like, you know... Like a damaged venom, right? How True. many because legs does Carnage have? Is. Does the Carnage one have six or eight? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to have eight. Yeah, the Carnage one does have eight. I was I about to say, eight, I'm not gonna say one way or another because I truthfully don't know. Like <laughs> I've never looked at Carnage's chest to look and see well, the picture. I mean, it's basically an uh, the the picture on Carnage's chest is like a messed up version yeah that's of, what i was saying of venom symbol but it still has eight legs okay that's what i was asking because you never know one side could be venom and the other side could be carnage because i know venom has eight because brock's too big of a man to be missing a leg you know yeah. like <laughs> hey it's too big of a symbiote Boy. <laughs> <laughs> i mean like max over there thinking i'm trying to look at carnage because like I don't recall Carnage ever having a. Me either. I, I mean, it was on rip. that the original one, like back in the nineties. You know, like yeah. don't you have that comic book? It's in the yeah, it's like, locked up. Yeah, it's locked up right now. But yeah, it does show on the side Look, because that's it's like it from a the nineties cartoon. Yeah, he no chest. Cool. Yeah, but that's the cartoon, Britt. We're talking about comics here, Brie. Well, they like it. In. That's a comic, not there. Dang. Well, I mean, it was on the cover. Carnage, I definitely Carnage is a mix of the Venom symbiote and blood. Yeah. I know. There, therefore, I think that he doesn't have it. I will say, though, 
if y'all want to elaborate on yeah i didn't even think that that's down there jacob I didn't think so. I thought okay. Vin, uh, I thought he did. I will tell you though, if you want to talk about something based on that, Null has what looks like more of a scorpion on his chest, and that is what, in my opinion, is way more badass than Spider-Man's typical Spider-Man or Venom's like Venom. Scorpio. Yeah. Am I right, guys? Scorpios. Like, Water what? signs. Am I right? Nah, it not even be like that. Don't expose us. I'm trying to find a good picture of Noel. I see it's kind of got a tail. Yeah, that looks neat. I yeah, love that. Yeah, it does. Or it could be but I dragon. mean, to me, it looks more like a winged dragon. Yeah. Like. yeah. Yeah, and it might be a dragon. You might be absolutely right because there's the Grendel symbiote, you know, from that oh, whole yeah. Absolute Carnage thing, and yeah. that was a giant dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Even Ooh, though they took that from Dark Horse Super comics. speculation. Just out here, just rabbit trailing with stuff. We gotta give our ratings on this book, though. Man, this book's a solid one. I'm joking, it's a three and a half. Three maybe, and a half? Maybe a three, depending on... Well, if it wasn't for the art, it would be a three, but it's a three and a half. Okay. What are you, Matt? Definitely 4.5, if not 5, because wow. I really like this book. All right, I'll take it. I will. I will meet it with Kylo Ren. I thought it was a four. Okay. Because I mean, ultimately, the Rise of Kylo Ren, Venom were my two picks. Uh, Matthew's pick was the Ghost Rider number four at number three on our list, and then the Marvel's X at number four and Avengers Thor number one were Jacob's two picks at four and five. We we kind of just did our own top of those three, or of these five books, we each three basically put them in our, our own order. So basically, this was just kind of a top five where we weighed out where we would put them on our personal top five if this was just our top five and where we would rank them one through five. And then based off of just kind of averaging our three different numbers together, we got what we got and presented you with the top five we did. But now that that has concluded, we are going to make our way into the news category or the speculation. All right, so I did some quick spec research, and I found some. I found five interesting things that I think you might like. And the first one is it's just funny because in the Arrow series they announced this Spectre outfit yeah. with this new poster, and everyone's big memeing it, saying he looks like Doctor Doom. Cause look at the man. <laughs> <laughs> he does kind of look like Doom. Yeah. And I mean, like, everyone was talking about how, like, just dumb he looks in it. Yeah. Because they could have done it so much better. Are there any more pictures of it? Yeah, that's the whole picture right there. That's the Is whole, that the poster? Yeah, that's the poster for um, Crisis on Infinite Earth. And let me Is that going to be a series, or is that just going to be a bunch of different shows? five-episode crossover. Oh. And see, they've got all the heroes here. Right. And that's what he looks like as a specter, and everyone who's just, that up top. Whoever does Crisis on Infinite Earth, I'm not a big DC DC fan at all. Yeah, I just seen this pop up in the news, and I thought it was pretty funny because the first picture I seen was this beside Doctor Doom, <laughs> and so I yeah. was immediately like, oh boy. I so, wonder. I wonder if since you know that's the specter costume, 
is he going to be playing Spectre? Because Spectre is a anti-hero. Some consider him more of a villain because he has crossed paths with characters like that are true blue heroes like Batman before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as we said before, we're not huge DC fans, but... Uh, I'm pretty sure that Spectre was um, considered an anti-hero. Not really full-on villain, but like... One of those kind of like... Punisher types. Yeah, Punisher types. That, where it's like, he kills people, but... And it is supposed to be... Isn't it supposed to be Green Arrow? I want to say it is. Well, that's what I haven't read Green... Yeah, yeah that's says, Oliver Queen. It does say anti-hero. Yeah, because yeah. that's Oliver Queen has the Spectre. I'm right. not sure what is supposed to happen, because this is... I'm not sure how they run their... TV, TV universe compared to their comic universe. Right. Because I quit watching them. There's way too much talking in it for me. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about this off the podcast, but I just do not like the CW series at all. Right. They're, they're just all garbage to me. I've only seen a little bit of DC's TV show action, but what I have seen and what I have liked has been on their streaming service on DC Universe. Yeah, no, the Harley Quinn one seems yeah, like I would like. That it. Harley Quinn like animated show sounds yeah. super funny. I've only seen clips on like Instagram and stuff, yeah. but they almost geek me every single time. Yeah. But on to the next piece. This is something I thought you might find interesting. So you know they've been talking about Kristen Bell, you know, being in the, Mar- the MCU. MCU. Yeah. Specifically Thor, the next Thor movie, which is I can't remember what it's called. Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, and Love and Thunder. And so there's two people that they're thinking about making them. The first is Dario, which I'm not sure who that is, and neither did the source for Yeah, uh, somebody said Dario. So no one was really, like, they didn't really speculate on who Dario is. Or Dario. Yeah, or Dario. It could be pronounced Dario, but what I thought you might find interesting is this line right here from the source. Yeah, but they also mentioned Beta Ray Bill. (coughs) I thought you might find that one interesting. That is dope. Like, but I, I couldn't see Christian Bale playing Beta Ray Bill. Me neither. But he is such a fluid actor. Right. Where it wouldn't surprise me if he did, you know? Because him from Batman to American Psycho, that's two totally opposite roles. Right. That he's already pulled yeah. off. And there are several other movies that you could talk about him being in. Right. That are just complete opposites. So it, would, it wouldn't surprise me. But he wouldn't be who I would cast, if that makes sense. For sure. Definitely. What's your opinion, Matt? I I agree with that one, that Christian Bale wouldn't be my first choice to play Beta Ray Bill. Like, Beta Ray Bill is one of those, like, niche characters that's kind of like, not many people know who it is because they're just not big, you know... Like, comic fans, you know, yeah. like, or old comic fans. Yeah, I mean, really, if my dad wasn't in the comics, I probably wouldn't know who Beta Ray Bill is. Right. Because he had one of the old Thors with Beta Ray Bill in it, and I read it when I was younger. And I did have a Beta Ray Bill action figure, which you've seen my comic book that came with it. Yeah. At my house. Right. I don't have the action figure anymore, but I did keep that comic. And it looks like Dario Agar is a Minotaur character. Interesting. In the Marvel Universe. That he's he's actually Greek, and that's really something that I don't see Christian Bell playing either one of those roles. But if he did end up playing one of them, it wouldn't surprise me. Like I said, yeah. So it was Dario Agar. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So I'm not familiar with Dario Agar, 
and as you just said, it was a Minotaur. I just saw the picture on your laptop, and you know he. Yeah, that was he, just me pulling it up quick. Yeah, know? he just looks really cool. But like I said, I know nothing about that character, and being pretty well versed in Marvel lore, not nearly as well versed as I am with Star Wars, of course. But I love Marvel, and I love almost each and every character, at least their superheroes, for different reasons. I will say though, with this news coming out that Christian Bale may, and more so, a lot of people are leaning towards him being Beta Ray Bill. I think that's a whole lot more possible, only because the other character that you know this Dario Agar is a Minotaur, and so obviously that would mean either Christian Bale had to wear some sort of mask or like just a headpiece. Or something like that, if they're going for practical. If they're going yeah. for CGI, then it's CGI. But I think Beta Ray Bill, if he plays Beta Ray Bill, the entire character Beta Ray Bill, unless they just have some amazing prosthetics, is going to have to be CG. Like, he's going to have to do motion capture for it. Like, for a yeah, character. definitely. Because, like, like yeah, not even the feet. Like, okay. None. Yeah, cool. gonna, the source for BGR said it is a mocap role that he is playing. Okay. So that's why, you know. I'm just talking about voicing it, too. You right. Know? Like, yeah, like, also... Wow, I didn't even think about that angle. I think he actually does have a really good voice yeah. to play Beta Ray Bill. Because Beta Ray Bill kind of does sound a little bit, dark, like, deeper. Yeah. Like, yeah. But you got to also think about what kind of person Beta Ray Bill is. Like, you know, character. He's the one of the only other characters in Marvel history that's been able to lift Thor's hammer. Yeah. Like that's the it. whole point. And that was the point of his original story arc. Was Odin giving him his own hammer that's basically on par with Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Yeah, Mjolnir. That um uh, that that's the whole point is he is one of the only other characters that is claimed worthy of Correct. the power of Thor. Right. So, I mean, that brings with that character, that brings in a whole nother level of you gotta have that certain like Thor charisma. You gotta have that certain, you know, Thor like how he's always even though he is like a fighter and he loves to, yeah. you know, rough and tumble, he's a good dude. He's always morally upright, you know, well, kind of thing. You know, while you were talking about that, I was listening, but I was also reading about Dario Acker, and he's a businessman. His father owned, his father was rich and his father owned the island, but when pirates invaded it, he was nine and he prayed to God. And he was like, he had never prayed before. This reading from the actual quote from the comics. Yeah. But he. Then he heard a scream and people dying, and he realized that the sc- that the terrifying roar he was hearing was actually coming from his own lips as he turned into a minotaur. So he transforms back and forth between a minotaur and a man. Okay. And he's a CEO of some business, so I feel like that's something I could see Christian Bell playing. Because like I said earlier, he was in a American Psycho. Yeah. So he does have you know a background of that kind of character. Yeah. A serious streak. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like he could. He's played a businessman before. I feel like he could do it again. And either one of these, I feel like he could do. I just. He wouldn't necessarily be my number one pick. For sure. And the next thing on here is something I sent you too. 
is the Marvel Studios may have gained the full control of Hulk and Namor. This is a rumor, though. Yeah, it only has a rumor, but... It's, okay, so this is from MCU Cosmic, which is one of the top MCU... Rumor, rumor. websites? Yeah. Like, this this guy, Jeremy Con Conrad. Oh, Conrad, I cannot talk. He is on it with rumors. I bet. Like, this <coughs> man has sources out the yin game. But like he said right here from someone very reliable, that Marvel did gain full control of them because there's some pesky distribution hurdles with Hulk specifically. Because Sony cannot release, a, cannot release a... Well, okay. Marvel can't release a solo Hulk movie, but they can't put them in team-ups. Right. But Sony has the right to do the opposite. They can do a solo movie, but they'd have trouble distributing Is it Sony or Universal? Universal. I don't know why I said Tony. I was thinking about Spider-Man. So Universal. Well, hold on. I'm pretty sure it was Disney. I was just... Okay, yes, Universal. Universal has the rights to one. So Universal couldn't put it out. Right. And so it was the opposite. You know, like Marvel can do team-ups, not solo. Universal can do solo, not team-ups. But they both have... If Universal was to do a solo movie, they'd have issue distributing it. Because of Marvel also right. having rights. So some people are saying that Marvel might have just copped those rights from MCU Cosmic. And that's something that I thought was interesting, specifically with Namor and the upcoming movie that he speculated to be in. Yeah. So that's something I thought was interesting. What do you think, Matthew? What do you think about the potential of seeing Hulk and Namor in any solo movies by Marvel, like in I MCU? Would- I would definitely appreciate it because uh, even though Hulk movies since like what was it the eighties that the first one came out? I think or like so. the nine late eighties or early nineties, something like that. Yeah, with something like that. Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, yeah, Lou Ferrigno. Um, but um, as far as Hulk movies go, most of them are okay. Some of them not great. And maybe, like, one or two are, like, nice. But, like, um, I would love to see where the MCU would take Hulk standalones. And even, like, an old character like Namor. Like, what? We haven't seen any comics of Namor since when? Like Namor's, made, Namor's made appearances in other people's comics plenty of times as of late like he's as of been, late yeah. yeah but like i'm talking about his own standalone like he's the main character like we really focused on namor well i I'm mean he's, sure. he's been around a lot but like no one's focused on him since that what like that standalone series he had back in the they were re-releasing the Namor thing. I was about it to say. It was in a Marvel X. They advertised it. I think it was a Marvel snapshot where they're doing a six-issue miniseries, but each one is a 100-page one-shot that is showing uh, like a collection of the past comic books, and Namor was advertised for one of them. That's crazy. I missed that. Uh, what I was going to apply to this conversation about Namor was I'm pretty sure either next week or week after next, the book Atlantis Attacks is coming out, and that is pitting the old... I want to say it's the old Agents of Atlas versus the new Agents of Atlas. 
and Namor, obviously, with it being Atlantis attacks, like Namor's gonna be in that series, if not yeah. the whole time, at least make a guest appearance or be in it fleetingly in all five issues. I'm yeah, sure. but like you know, I was talking about like actually because like the character like a Namor ongoing series. Yeah, like the character yeah. of Namor as a character. I would love to see more fleshed out because, like, I'm sure they fleshed him out plenty in that old comic series. Like, you got the number one of that, didn't you? Great in the shop, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would love to see that fleshed out. I haven't read the original series personally because I've just not yeah. had the time to look it up online and I don't have the physical copies. Yeah. Like, yeah. The. But, Series or the number one that I have is from the 1968 series, which is the second solo series featuring Namor the Submariner. The first was uh, Timely Comics, about that's 25 years before that in 1943. So, like I said, Timely Comics, which was the original name of Marvel. Yeah, yeah. But the most recent, or you know, the last series that we got for Namor was in 1990, and I think it probably went around 55 issues, something like that, because the last issue that pops up here on Key Collector is 54. So, hmm. dang, yeah. But yeah, so 1990 was the last time we had a Namor ongoing series or I a Submariner. Huh? I wasn't even thought of. Yeah, basically none of us were. Series. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's that. I mean, I really hope they did. And, you know, mm-hmm. Kevin Fiege has invited Mark Ruffalo to pitch ideas for the Hulk. Yeah, I'd love to and see what he has ooh. brewing in his dome piece. Ooh, yeah. baby. That'd be something right there. And mm. he has also said that, Fiege also said that the chess pieces were intentionally left the way they were at the end of Endgame. So, hmm, probably get some more Hulk action. That's what I thought. I mean, you know, even though that was supposed to be kind of the end of this decade long of movies or whatever, yeah, they're not stopping there. You know, yeah, they can't. That's a cash cow. Yeah, you know, like, you well, know. I mean, now that Disney has it, you know, they're infamous, infamous for milking. milking. They, oh, ooh, baby, milk. They like Mayola. They milk it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yikes! Lots of milkies. Some pet. Mm, some pet just grabbing them udders and and the next thing I found on here which I told you about earlier which I think is kind of interesting you you asked me a question and I looked into it a little bit more because it's more down here right but for the uh, Doctor Strange Into the Multiverse of Madness Scott Derrickson who was the director has split ways with Marvel due to creative differences and it was supposed to start filming early this year, and Marvel has yet to announce who is directing it. So we're talking about if it's canceled or not, you know. And without a director, they can't start the filming. Um, I mean, theoretically, that's I was cool. about to say I disagree with that only because there's got to be more than just one person that is good enough of a director to lead this movie. Yeah, they've already written this movie. They've probably already, you know, they've probably done all the casting for this movie. There's no way, and being that this movie is part of the MCU, I definitely don't see this movie getting all out canceled. Yeah. Maybe just postponing it. Yeah, delay it six months. Delay it a year if you have to. But come out with this movie. Because this... You know I think this, he's a great director. Who? For MCU. Who? James Gunn. 
He is, yeah. Killed um, it with Guardians. I mean, I'm not saying he should take this over necessarily, because his movies are funny. Yeah. You know, but I loved Guardians. Like, that is one of my favorite movie series ever. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Scott Derrickson, but this movie, in case either one of y'all weren't aware of this, this movie, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, is supposed to be the first movie in the MCU that's going to be rated R. Apparently, Scott Derrick, yeah, Scott Derrickson has only done like horror, horror movies? movies before. Yeah, see, that's the whole reason is because this Strange. this movie is supposed oh, to be he dark. To do, he did the original Doctor Strange. That was his first movie that wasn't a horror movie. It looks like. Well, maybe this whole he time. Did Hellraiser. That, well, maybe this whole time that they were planning on the sequel being a horror movie, and so yeah. they wanted to allow him to have creative control over doing the first one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are some decent horror movies in his lineup. Like I said, Hellraiser and Dracula 2000. Yeah. I mean, 2015 Poltergeist was some <laughs> hot garbage. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to say that. Like, I don't care. It was. Uh, it needed to be said. I personally think that the first Doctor Strange movie that they came out with, you know, um, it was a good movie. Yeah. I really liked it. And I liked how they portrayed Doctor Strange in it. Because even though... Yes, like, you know, yes, he was uh, a, an, basically an a-hole for the entire first part of the movie, right up until he's, you know, speeding, like, yeah, he gets Even messed up the on, the, on the accident, you know, and... He's still an a-hole after the accident. Yeah, but then once he gets to the place, you know... Yeah. Uh, Whatever it's called. The Ancient One. Yeah, the Ancient One's place. Um, But, uh, yeah, he he basically gets some humility. You know, I always appreciate that when that's one of the main things in a character's story. So they were an a-hole, then something happens, smacks some humility into them, and then they become nice like that lady. You know, Doctor Strange, or should I say Doctor Gabe. Um, but <laughs> I was just, it's so funny that you end up saying Dr. Gabe because I was going to be like, no way are we going to talk about this whole piece and none of us <laughs> mentioned Dr. Gabe. Like, Gabe would be sad if we didn't give him that meager shout out. Dr. Gabe. But I thought this was interesting. I would be really interested to see who they pick up for it. Right. Especially with there being so many horror movie directors nowadays. Yeah. You know, it's not like back in the 90s when being a horror movie director was niche. You yeah. Know? Like, you only had two or three boys doing it. Nowadays, they're everywhere. You know, I'd argue that there's a, as many horror movie directors as there are action movie directors. Oh, for yeah. um, I'd believe that easily. Yeah, everybody and their mom is doing a horror movie, and, you know, it's just like, why? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> In my opinion, like... Ooh, spooky doll. Ah. Uh, oh, like, you're using the same tropes I've seen a hundred thousand times. Like, can we please get something fresh, or y'all please just... Stop. Yeah. Do you guys have a fill-in? Because personally... Well, with I thought James Gunn. Well, right, yeah, my bad. I did forget that you said that. My fill-in would be a fellow horror director. He did horror and kind of had a, a, a similar entrance as Scott Derrickson did through his filmography. Like you were saying, Scott Derrickson's first project that wasn't a horror movie was the first Doctor Strange movie. Same deal with Sam Raimi. Do you know who Sam Raimi is? Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi is the guy who did the Spider-Man, the original, our Spider-Man trilogy. Okay. 
So the OG one. He was known way before that for doing horror movie after horror movie after horror movie. And he did great with the three Spider-Man movies. So, in my opinion, the third one a lot of people don't like just because it's very busy. It has three different villains. And yeah. so yeah. a lot of people that you know kind of rub the wrong way. I love that because that's kind of Spider-Man back against the wall. I've got to deal with this guy. All right, finally got this guy down. Damn, another one's out my doorstep, you know? That type of thing. You kind of yeah. always got to look over your All shoulder. All three of them at the same time. Yeah, and with him also at that same time, not only battling the three villains of Sandman, Venom, and the New Goblin, but also dealing with the whole comic book arc of him being Venomized himself, being black suit Spider-Man, being edgy. You know, yeah. that was all great. And I feel like that was something that Sam Raimi was able to do that not many other directors really could have led in the proper direction. And so I think that he could easily, Sam Raimi could easily come right in here where one of his colleagues of Scott Derrickson left off with Doctor Strange 1. And because this is supposed to be dark, and like I said, it's supposed to be the first rated R movie in the MCU... And probably the only one, because obviously this is owned by Disney, and Disney's not going to regularly go anything over PG-13. Yeah. So this, I have very high hopes for. I hope I'm not let down, and like I've said three times now, my pick is definitely Sam Raimi. I think Sam Raimi would take the reins and do it justice. Well, I, I agree with you on that point. I do believe he would be a good fit for this one. Especially given the information about it. And I just, you know, like what you said, that they're rarely going to go over PG-13. I hope that's not the case. Like, I hope they do something like... Well, when I say oh, rarely, I mean this movie and definitely Deadpool. Yeah, like, they've already said that Deadpool is going to be rated R. Well, the you ones can't that, do a Deadpool movie without it being rated R. They tried that. It failed horribly. Well, it just wasn't nearly as good as the first one because the first one was R, and the first one had the full character of Deadpool being present throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Like, Deadpool was being a goon or a... You know, being belligerent or just being like funny, psychotic, yeah. you know, like all of Deadpool qualities. Yeah, like, and of course, I love Deadpool. Deadpool's one of my favorite characters. Like, and you know that a lot. Like, um, but like, I'm talking about for other stuff because I truly believe that if you take a movie about good and evil, like any superhero movie is, but you give it that rated R rating. And you allow it to take the dark path and to take the darker twists and turns. Like I said earlier during our comic review section, I like a darker story. It gives more substance because you know the lighter movies. Like if this was rated, if the, if I went to go see a rated PG superhero movie, you know, I'd be like, okay, yeah, it's cool, but like I predicted that. PG-13 is like, okay, yeah, I like this. It's a little bit better, a little bit more action, a little bit more violence. You know, it's, it's good. But rated R is just like one of those things. The movie can literally reach out of the screen, grab you by the back of your neck, slap you a couple of times, and like, I'm in control here, all right? You sit back. You better be watching because if you ain't, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to beat you at you know, kind of stuff like that. That That's what I like in a movie. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> you know, 
Do you know who my favorite director is? No. Quentin Tarantino. Man. And I'm not oh saying my. he would do a great story at it, but he is good at having darker undertones. Right. In his stories. Yeah. But he always makes the villain the good guy. So I feel like that's something he he would not be able to handle this movie just because he always makes the villain the good guy. And he tells his stories backwards. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, if he did Doctor Strange, it would start off with Doctor Strange being Doctor Strange and then show what happened. Which I feel like that wouldn't work with the whole concept of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I was looking up some horror movie directors that I do like, but there was an any of them that I found that I feel I felt would do it. Like a... What, would take on the project or do a good job? Do a good job. Because one of my favorite horror movies... Let me pull it back up here. I just had it. So one of my favorite horror movies is Dawn of the Dead. Okay. By George A. Romero. Is that the one where they're busting through the floor and through the everything? Yeah, yeah it was the like basic zombie movie from back in the day. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like he's a really good director, but he's like about his oldest dirt. <laughs> and he's not directing anything anymore. Yeah, but I feel like if it if it was in his prime, I would have loved to seen him take on some form of superhero movie. Right, Definitely. just because he showed such an actiony side of things for a zombie movie, but also told a great story at the same time. Right, because Zone of the Dead, I love the story of it too, because it's about like a group of people trying to survive and all that. But yeah. we got off on a tangent about horror movies. <laughs> yeah, man. We went in. But horror movies are nice. And we got a couple more pieces here to talk about. And so the last one is Kevin Fiege saying that he wants to keep doing stuff for ABC since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is done. But right now, Marvel's focus is going to be on Disney+. Plus. For sure, it should be. Yeah, that's what he said. He said it's going to be on Disney+, Plus as it should be. But he doesn't want ABC and Disney to have bad ties. Well, ABC and Marvel. If I'm not mistaken, and I very well could be, because I don't know everything, especially once we start talking about these conglomerates, like Disney just owning all these different properties, Fox owning all these different properties. Well, Disney owns Fox now. Well, what I was going to say, still, what I was going (laughs) to say was ABC, I'm pretty sure, is owned by Disney. It is. So, what's really... Well, even though they're owned by the same people, like... Kevin Feige has the final call for Marvel. Right. Anything in the MCU, even though it is owned by Disney. So if him and the guy that's making the calls for ABC don't get along, they're not going to do stuff together. Right. You know? Yeah. Even though Disney is like the big brother in the situation looking over them. Yeah. You know, like, they technically could make one of them, could make them work together. Mm-hmm. But then you're just going to have, like, crappy content. Yeah, just bad blood. You know? Right. And that's not what you want. Exactly. I agree. So I get what you're saying. But, uh, you know, if you take Disney out of the picture, it's still, at the end of the day, Marvel making yeah. a business deal with ABC. Right. Disney just happens to be shoveling money into the big people's pockets. Yeah. But I thought this was interesting. Since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is dead, I really liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., even though I was, like, two or three seasons behind. And I wish it would have continued. Or if they did something with Disney Plus and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because it's a very neat concept of a show. The show. That one's the one that follows Peggy Carter, right? Or not? That's Carter. Okay, got you. Uh, it See, fo- I never watched those shows. It follows, shows. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Agent Coulson? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, yeah. Agent Coulson. That's Coulson's the, young boy. the blonde or pff, blonde brunette guy. Who, I was gonna say bald. Yeah. So I was yeah. It follows Coulson and his team, which they're still superheroes, but they're minor superheroes. And it's just neat, you know, to see minor superheroes working for Shield. Well, which minor heroes? Because I only watched the few episodes of Agents of Shield where Ghost Rider pops up. And that's only like four episodes or something like that. It's in like an arc, basically. Yeah. And so let's see here. Let me pull up who I was in it. Because I remember when they added one of the first, like, bigger heroes, but I don't remember who it was. Because, like, (gasps) they're adding so and so. Right. But, like, they had, see, Phil Coulson. And none of them are even going to be pulled up here by their superhero name. Because most of them are just, like, small time heroes. Right. Were they more like vigilantes than actual heroes? Kind of. Yeah, so, Mockingbird. Yeah, I know who she is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Like, Mockingbird's not a big superhero name. No. But she shows up in it. Got you. And I enjoy it. It was a nice show. But I'm kind of upset that it came to an end, even though I didn't watch it. And we got a couple other pieces to talk about. And one of these you pulled up, and the other one you pulled up, and you should have a bunch to say about it. What? But, yeah, I wrote down stuff that y'all would say when we were talking earlier. I don't remember... Anything that I pulled up, so well, I, you didn't I didn't think it. you didn't, didn't pull it up, but you brought it up. Well, I didn't think I was going to be talking about any of the things that I brought up. I thought y'all were going to do y'all's own thing. All you right, don't, you let's don't want to talk about America's ass getting cut. <laughs> I'll talk about it if you want me. <laughs> if you want me to, I you, mean that that you were in your feelings about America's ass getting cut from the TV edit. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we could talk about that then. Move in. All right, well... Because <laughs> you okay. know about it. I don't know nothing about it. Yeah, well, it was a story that I, I got through Google News. It's basically, uh, they're taking Avengers Endgame, the movie, and, you know, reformatting it for TV, you know? Yeah, a TV And edit. sometimes they'll edit things out to make it a better runtime for television blocks. But one of the things they cut out of Avengers Endgame is one of the most famous lines and one of the funniest lines from that movie. It's right It's right uh, before or after Captain America fights his past self that he checks himself out, his past self out, and says, he says something along the lines of, that is America's ass. You know, like, basically just, like, admiring his own ass, basically. Like, it's it's funny as mess. I died in the theater when I saw that one. I loved it. But, you know, it's just one of those things people are just, like, a little upset that, you know, they, they decided to cut out one of the best lines from it, you know? There was a kind of a precursor to that line. I forgot what the setup was, but there was something that was said in the movie whether Iron Man said something to Cap or some, there was some kind of line prior to that that was basically kind of, you know, yeah, I don't I don't know if you're really like America's hero or some, something. I forgot yeah, what it was. Yeah. I only saw Endgame one time. But listen, my point is, if they leave that part in the movie, but they cut out the actual funny part yeah the punchline that's gonna look really stupid so i'm hoping that they cut out the prior line or the setup 
if they cut out the punchline. I mean, I guess the next time you scrolling through the TV guide and you see Avengers Endgame, click on it. Yeah, I'm totally just going to like sit there for like 45 minutes and like (laughs) wait for the scene to pop up. (laughs) Sounds like a monumental waste of time. Well, I mean, you know. I'm going to watch it from start to finish if I'm watching it again. Like, Well, yeah, that's what I mean, bruh. And the last thing is something you brought up because it's Star Wars related, but I didn't really. So I didn't catch it. I told you about a meme I seen about it. Yeah. But Billy Lord played Leia. Yeah. Billy Lord in real life is the daughter of Carrie Fisher, who plays our famous Princess Leia. Um, there was a scene. It's Rise of Skywalker's almost been out an entire month, people. If you haven't seen it yet, spoilers, you know, click off the video here. You're, you've made it to the tail end of the video anyway. But the scene where Billy Lord fills in for her mother, Princess Leia, or the portrayal of Princess Leia, took place because our dear Carrie Fisher three years ago passed away. And so she wasn't able to film any of her scenes for The Rise of Skywalker, Episode Nine. You know, she did her stuff in seven and she had finished all of her scenes in eight before she passed away but then she passed away and a few of her scenes in episode nine are (coughs) deleted scenes or extra film footage that was left on the cutting room floor that they used and you know just kind of brushed up with special effects but where they really dove in with the special effects was if you've seen the movie you'll know the scene i'm talking about Luke starts telling Rey about a flashback when he was giving Leia her Jedi training. And, you know, it does a full flashback. You're hearing Luke's voiceover and you're watching the scene as Luke is running with his green lightsaber through kind of like this forest or jungle kind of setting. And Leia is following him uh, with a blue lightsaber. And they're kind of running, like Luke's kind of fleeing away from Leia just because they're sparring. They're basically sparring on the move. Yeah. And so she ends up like kind of tackling or knocking Luke down with, uh, the thrust of her blade. And when Luke lands on the ground, he kind of basically calls an informal timeout because he lifts up the facial guard because as we know from watching the original star Wars movie, when Luke is training, on the Millennium Falcon in front of Ben Kenobi, he puts down the blast shield to, you know, deflect the bolts from the little training remote. When they were chasing each other and they were fighting, kind of during this flashback, um, they both have the blast shields down on their masks. So they're basically allowing the Force to not only show them where they're going, but lead them in combat against the other in their spar. And so when Luke gets knocked to the ground, he lifts up his blast shield and looks up at Leia, who's still standing, and Leia lifts up hers. No idea, because obviously we all knew since it was a young Leia and a young Luke, Mark Hamill did his part, and he was, you know, kind of CG, had special effects to bring him down, make him look young. But since our princess passed away three years ago... There needed to be a fill-in. What better fill-in than her actual blood daughter, who favors her in her facial structure and in the size of her body, her height and kind of her weight. So, bam, you know, and predominantly they were covered up in that scene. The only thing that you get to see is their face, really, because they're fully clothed in long sleeves and, you know, they're just, they're in the middle of a spar, so they're kind of wearing armor. So... But it was just really cool to see 
or hear that that scene Billy Lord stepped in for her mom. So not only did Billy Lord technically get to play her own character in this whole sequel trilogy, uh, she was played by Lieutenant Connix, um, who you can see in all three movies speaking to General Leia, speaking to other members of the Resistance. But she gets to play Leia. She gets to kind of follow directly in her mother's footsteps, and I just thought that was really interesting, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that article. I mean, I've basically sat here and taken it away alone. What do you guys think? I mean, I know you, I was the one to find that piece, but still, I want to see what you guys have to think about it. Because I love legacy. If there's one thing that I love just about humans and the relationship between one another in, fam- in the family situation is that you know where one leaves off, in some ways, if you want to, I feel like you should pick up, you know? I love the legacy that my family's left for me, and I hope that I do it just, you know, I personally do it justice here in the real world. But I'm sure her mom was looking down on her, and she was happy to see her, you know, play her character. Yeah, I can agree with that sentiment. Um, I personally like it in the fact that, yeah, it was the logical choice, and it's also probably the best choice in my opinion because like it would have been just a whole debacle to find someone that was about Leia's height and easy enough to capture for CG to put Leia's face you know make it look like the young Leia you know right um but yeah I mostly agree with you in the fact that I think it's an excellent thing and I believe that Billy Lord would uh, that she was happy to do that. Yeah, I, I think like if my one of my parents was a character, like if my dad was a character, and in a movie or something, and I got to play that character, I would be like livid. You know, I would love that. That would be cool, in my opinion. What do you think, Jake? I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was neat. You know, I mean, I don't like Star Wars like you do, but just the whole, that you know, that's the best replacement in my opinion would be right. her daughter, especially if they look as much alike as you said. Yeah, well, it's more their like you know her mom structure. was a, yeah I was about to say it's more their body and facial structure than yeah. anything else. Well, I mean, really, that's all it comes down to, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, anything else can be done up. You know, it's hard to have the same body and facial structure. Right, you know? exactly. That's the two main components, because if you don't have the right facial structure or body structure, CGI can only do so much. <laughs> For sure. And prosthetics can only do so much. And then we get the end of Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, the they end of got... Rogue One. Yeah, the end of Rogue One where Leia shows up, like, right there at the last, like, scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I... I that was one of the moments in the theater that I was just like, it, it. It's like they weren't even trying because it looks so like. That's crazy that you say that because I thought Leia. Because in that movie there were two people who were done that way. There was Tarkin and Leia. Mm-hmm. Leia's five ten seconds total that she you know basically kind of runs down the hallway or no it was a Republic trooper that ran down the hallway opened the door and she just turned around. And got the plans to the Death Star. When we see her for those five seconds, I thought it looked great. Tarkin, on the other hand, I feel the way you did about the Leia. I was like, hmm, the voice is on point, but really, you could have done a bit 
bit better with the special effects. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with you about the Tarkin one. I agree. Like, personally, that's why I don't, I didn't like the concept of Rogue One. Like, not only was it, in my opinion, a, a movie that was basically to fill in a plot hole that didn't need filling in about the Death Star, how it had that one weakness... Because, like, yeah, you need exhaust vents on a giant machine in space. You do. If you don't, it's going to blow up itself. But, you know, just to keep it short, it's just like... You could have like, done without. You could have you done more with just the characters that needed to be CG'd, you know... You could have done more with that and found, put in just a little bit extra effort and that would have made the movie a little bit better. That, that's the whole point. The more effort you put into something that's not impossible, the more you're going to get out of. I mean, I don't have nothing to say about it really, but I mean, this is, that's all the speculation I have for today, unless one of you two have something else. No, I'm it. good. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like we have some decent spec, especially with some of that Marvel stuff. Yeah, you know, because I'm I'm not sure. gonna worry about DC. I think that's the first DC piece we've had on the show, and it was making fun of the Spectre outfit. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making fun of Spectre. Well, we'll get we'll get better eventually about you know having DC stuff, and you know we've technically we've had more indie content on here than we have DC because not only have we reported about indie an indie movie. I believe, or not an indie movie, but a movie that wasn't Marvel or DC. Um, we also have talked about multiple indie comics. Yeah. So, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and we how many times Normally have we I had pick indie stuff though? Yeah, but that's because that's majority of what you're into. You're yeah. into more more indie than you are DC or Marvel. Yeah, I mean, with Marvel, I really just mess with X Men or Doom. Yeah, with Doom. Doom. Because <laughs> Doom's the man. I don't know you, what you must say. realize that you. I am doomed. All right, General (laughs) Grievous. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been your Kessel Run Comics podcast. This is the sixth podcast, correct? Yeah. So our sixth official podcast, and we're getting better and better. This bad boy looks to be, you know, about an hour and 30 minutes. So we kind of went just down a rabbit hole or down a rabbit trail with this one. You didn't notice it. But we talked six minutes about the first comic book. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah y'all yeah. want to put my, my pick on number five, and we talked six minutes about it. Hey, well, I mean, <laughs> we found stuff to talk about. Well, I mean, it was a decent comic book. Though. Yeah, it wasn't bad. That was the Thor Avengers, right? Yeah. 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 It the wasn't Thor Avengers I like better than I did Marvel's X. And if my mouth can keep running, then, I mean. Yeah. I mean, we can find something to bounce off if you're still talking. Exactly. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, as I said, this is the sixth official episode. Thank you for being around and coming back to listen with us. Hopefully, from here on out, you'll just be part of the crew.